Hey, welcome back to the episode of the podcast. What the hell happened to my voice there? Hmm. Anyhow, welcome back to the episode of the podcast. I'm Sandeep Rao and you're Sandeep Rao. And I recently read this book, guys, where it's so-called, quote-unquote, science fiction. I don't believe in that. I think it's real. And that's what makes the book even more interesting. The possibility of it being real is so much more disappointing than it actually being real. So read fiction like it's fact. Mm, Makes life interesting. Because I think more and more we need to push the boundary of what excites us. Because the real world itself, when you hear the news, sounds like fiction. So might as well make fiction fact. And that way we can push the envelope of human potential. And that way we can make people aspire to be bigger assholes and do crazier things. Because come on, the news nowadays, eh, fucking mass murder, crazy. I've seen it. I've seen it. I need it in books now. I need aliens to come pretend that they're retrievers, golden retrievers who are committing mass murder, something like that. But this book I read, forget the guy's name. He's um, a screenwriter for Hollywood. He writes this book. And um, in that, this guy comes face to face with himself in parallel universes. Now, that's interesting, right? If you can meet yourself in different versions, in different realities, in different possibilities of your life, taking different paths that you didn't take in this life, but you only know it as this Sandeep Rao, or this Hemant, or whatever your name may be. I don't know why Hemant dropped up, but hey, if you're Hemant and you're listening, hey, I'm a big fan that you're a big fan. Hey, lovely. But if you come face to face with these multiple versions of yourself from multiple worlds, I think it'll just give you perspective of where you are because you might meet a richer version of yourself. You might meet a more abusive person of yourself, a version of yourself. You might meet a small kind. You might meet a bigger asshole. Who knows? The possibilities are endless. But wouldn't it be fantastic if we can all have that one moment in our life where we meet our other versions, our other selves? Not call it versions are other selves who exist and are living right now as we speak or as I speak to you. I hope you're not speaking because I'm speaking to you and you're speaking at the same time. It's a conversation which isn't happening, but it's distracting for both of us because I can't hear you and you can hear yourself, but not me. And that's kind of pointless when you're listening to a podcast. Anyhow, so I think this will give us a sense when we when we meet our thing. Have a yearly annual meeting like how you have a corporate day an annual day or you have a uh, update or a review at whatever company you work at have a review with yourself and with yourselves and just say hey guys this year i've didn't done done this with the circumstances with what i've been presented what did you guys do and you all walk out of that meeting every year go back to your different worlds and exist for another year until you meet yourselves that way most importantly, you're liable in one year's time for your actions to yourself and selves. And that way, collectively, as a community of yourselves, you make a better world in different worlds. Hmm. Interesting thought, right? Because when you read about human history, you hear about the nomadic ways, the hunter-gatherers would seek community, right? We would travel in these tribes, we would hunt and gather, and we would raise children together as a collective. But it's because I think we had fewer people then. The opportunity to meet people and come together was much, much rarer back in the day. You'd walk a hundred miles in the middle of which you'd have like crazy things. You'd have saber-toothed tigers or you'd have G.I. Joes or you'd have mammoths or something would come. Maybe no food. Maybe a swiggy didn't come in time. So that way you go hungry and you don't make it to the next hundred mile mark which you've set or maybe water will run run dry. Who knows, right? Or you run out of beer. Fucking A. God forbid. But now, I kind of, I was, I was out yesterday and I just fuck was amazed with the way humanity is taken over man i feel bad for the pigeons are not pigeons so much but the parrots and the pigeons and the dogs it's just we don't have the need for community i think we need the 
we need that we have the need for space back off a little bit because it's too many fucking human beings wherever you look and i'm using both hands if you've noticed today and that means i'm really emphasizing on this um need for space and um, this whole call for community and camaraderie and feeling together fuck it we don't need each other we just need some time to ourselves and i think this plan i have of meeting your different selves from different worlds and every year you get a chance think about how lovely this is it's not going to go or going to be so wherever you're going fuck it you're going to a different world which is the same world but a different world with different results different conditions playing out in different ways so in this world we might have the war in ukraine we might have covid in that world you might just have my god the most amazing greenery but still yourself there and the different versions of people over there will have problems because we as human beings we love bitching on everything right what the roads are so good oh my god but the trees are not green enough what the water is fresh and pure but it's not cold enough oh my god the women are so hot but man uh they're so they're so clingy it's never ending so i think this yearly analysis review collective understanding of each of your versions or yourselves having a meeting walking out going back to your worlds you get a holiday you get to meet yourself you have a point of reflection you have time to consider and you also have a time to realize that your life ain't that shit buddy so hope my plan works and i hope you are sold by my beautiful fictional plan which is a fact let me move on to today's guest Yes, that's what this is the point of. Uh, I've got Dr. Raquel Peel. I don't know why I spoke like that the whole time just now, but hey, it felt right. It felt right. It felt right. It felt compelling. And fuck it, I did it. Dr. Raquel Peel is a researcher in the field of psychology. She's a relationship expert, an educator, a speaker. And in today's episode, we talk about. a very important thing i think which is sabotaging self sabotaging relationships we talk about the concept of interpersonal relationship how it's transforming with the digital age how it's transforming with the age of over exposure information selfishness and of course we talk about important things like bullying and suicide it's a really fun not necessarily fun but it's a revealing enlightening conversation with someone who's an expert in her field so i'm sure you'll enjoy the conversation Dr. Raquel, if you're listening, I appreciate you joining me and to all of you listening right now. Hey, as always, thank you so much. Till next episode. Goodbye. God bless. Take care of yourself. Cheers. Lovely to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, Raquel. You're welcome and um, thank you for inviting me to your show. Yeah, I'm I'm so keen to cover the topics of love and relationships because I think so many people want to know how do you feel loved? How do you give love? How do you keep that love going? How do you keep that momentum flowing in in a world where you only hear the sensationalist news of people getting divorced, people breaking up, the messier the breakup, you have people not able to sustain a meaningful understanding with someone else. Um it's it's crazy out there, but Let me ask you something before we go down that path because there's a lot to talk about there. But from the research that you've spent the years uh, focusing, um, what is keeping people together? Ah, well, that's a good question. Um, I don't normally get that that question to start with. What keeps people <laughs> Sorry. together? Ah, <laughs> normally, uh, you know, people want to start with why are people breaking up? Why are we not succeeding? Um, but I love that we started with the positive. So, look, if I had to give you one answer, 
it would be communication. And I know it sounds easy um, for me to say, you've just got to communicate with your partner, but it's the absolute truth. And what I mean by communication is a lot more than just having conversations with your partner, is being truthful with what it is that you were actually looking for in the relationship. Mm. So if your partner does not know what your expectations of the relationship are and, you know, what makes you happy or what makes you tick, it's going to be an impossible task for them to be able to um, be in that partnership with you and and connect. Um, so I guess, you know, start with thinking about how it is that you communicate with your partner. And I think that is, yeah, while, while it seems simple, I, I can vouch for the fact that it isn't simple because... You sometimes mention um, things that your partner or you think that your partner might want to hear. You know, like my wife and I sometimes get into these uh, moments of like, let's call it a cold phase. You know, we don't really uh, see eye to eye on what's going on. And, you know, many times they're petty issues, right? My We have a one-year-old baby girl. And when it comes to where the responsibility or taking things, she does a lot of the heavy lifting. I'm just playing a very minimal supporting role. But whether it comes, you know, to her... Um, going back to work or whether it's, you know, the baby's not sleeping well. See, so these are these are obviously teething issues in all senses of the word, right? All uh, It happens to every parent. But when we catch ourselves arguing, sometimes, you know, I don't actually tell her how what I'm feeling or sometimes she kind of just to sort of soften the blow doesn't tell me what she's really feeling. And, you know, that kind of heightens the tension, right? Because you the, the, the crux of the matter is something a lot deeper. And if if you keep kind of brushing it off, then, you know, by the time it gets to the real issue, then you've just kind of spent maybe a week, maybe a couple of days, maybe, but a longer period of time. And by that point, I feel the, the issue is gone all over the place and you're kind of missing the real point. So it's really important to quickly get to it. And we never did, I mean, many, many years back, like we didn't really do that, right? We would kind of brush around the carpet and it would come out really vile and angry when we would address it, right? It would be a lot yeah. more heated. But now the, the the ability, I think, it's not easy, but the thing to like, let's jump to it. You know, we, we're together for a much more fundamental reason. So let's, you know, put our egos aside as hard it is, as hard as it is. And let's try, you know, saying, okay, you know what? This was my ego talking. And I understand that, you know, I messed up or you messed up or it's much beyond what we actually are fighting about. But it's something which has been bothering us for months, you know. And yeah, it it, yeah. it does, you know, evaporate once you kind of get to that honesty in whatever sense you can commit to that honesty you know yeah and look you've mentioned really important points there uh one is that there is a difference between how we communicate what we want and how we communicate what we are feeling so a lot of the times it's a lot it's much easier for us to say i want this or i want that or i don't want this but if we try to actually explain to our partners what it is that we are feeling, mm -hmm. um, it, it makes it easier for them to understand how to work with us to get what it is that we want. And the other thing to remember too is that our wishes are fluid. Mm -hmm. So perhaps today you want something um, and you're trying to get that and communicate that, but that might be something completely different next week. And it will depend on on, you know, how, how much energy you have, what it is that you're doing, what you're dedicating yourself to. And we need to be flexible with the fact that relationships are fluid, are weak, and, and we can't be stuck into thinking that we are always going to be doing the same things or behaving the same way, and, and that works. 
um, it might not always work. And there is a give and take in, in how it is that we uh, need to behave with one another to, to make it work. Yeah. And, you know, um, just to give you a sort of a sense of background, you know, like just to give my relationship as an example, you know, my wife's a very positive person, right? Her, she's always been, um, you know, told to see the nice in people to, to, to kind of be, you know, the, the benefit of doubt is always like, you know, the person's nice, something's just not working for them. They're having a bad day or they just, you know, got up on the wrong side of the bed, whatever you want to call it. And I'm, I'm a very uh, not positive person. In fact, sometimes when I see a positivity in her, I, it just pisses me off. I'm like, how can you be so positive all the time, right? <laughs> because she wakes up and she's able to start the day on, if not a positive tone, at least in a neutral tone, right? She's like, okay, you know what? But for me to just to get neutral, I need to do like, you know, so much work just to spend time in my own head to clear those thoughts and not have a negative notion when I either think of something or think of someone. So, it, it's you know it's so different that two individuals like this are together and you know sometimes when i'd go off on this spiral i'm just saying things she's like you're just being stubborn about your bitterness you are bitter and you know for, for very different reasons right because we have we're different people and i'm not trying to make this about my wife and me but i'm just saying when it comes to a relationship very rarely are two people exactly the same when it comes to life experiences oh, yes. what have brought them there so how um do they you know see this 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 benefit because a lot of the times the relationship gets dominated by one person either the i don't know whether it's the girl or the guy or the male or the female or in, in same-sex relationships but it, whatever the, the equation is but we end up seeing more and more now um this inability to kind of find a balance but it's always one person overruling or dominating the other person by through their wishes or through their intentions and it seems from the outside that that relationship is fine because the the, the other person is kind of submitted to this 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 kind of dynamic but in on the inside it's this pent up emotion which is not being expressed because the 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 established order of the relationship is really not favoring one person right yeah look i what you are describing there is different personalities Right, and and you are going to have different personalities in relationships. You know, if you have two people or even more people in the relationship, you're going to have everyone's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Which means that uh, each item of, of the relationship is going to express their needs and their love and their affection differently. Mm-hmm. And it, it, look, I'm just going to be honest with you: balance in a relationship is overrated, in my opinion. Okay. okay. Um, I think that you're never going to find a relationship that is 100% balanced, meaning that you know. Two items in the relationship are getting exactly the same amount of love or attention or whatever it is that you're measuring. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't actually think that's important because we all need different things at different amounts at different times. Right. So, again, it's about communicating what it is that you need. Um, and it might be that one partner needs a lot of attention. They need to be told several times a day that they're loved. Yeah. Uh, where the other, where, whereas the other partner is someone who doesn't necessarily need that, but they need looking after them in other ways. Perhaps they like their meal cooked for them or they like their clothes folded a certain way and that's how they feel loved. Uh, yeah. And the same goes for how we express love. I know that I express my love for my husband a lot of the time in the way that I cook meals for him and pay attention to what it is that he wants to have for dinner. Yeah. And that might be different for someone else. And, and, and that's what I mean by looking for that exact equality and balance in a relationship is going to be problematic. We need to actually be looking for what it is that the other person wants. Yeah. 
I think that yeah, that's really important, right? Because you can you can seem like the perfect person, but if you're not addressing their needs, then yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that. But you you know the thing which I want to talk about is um, to get to this place of whether it's maybe not balance being the right word, but to even appreciate what that person does for you or recognizing what that person yeah. needs from you. Uh, it involves a level of displaying, if that's not the right word, just establishing, you know, with your partner, this idea of, you know, sort of, sort of showing your vulnerability, saying this is my strength, this is my weakness, this is what I need. And it, in, in, in today's day and age where everyone's trying to put their, you know, their, 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 their biggest smile, their strongest foot forward, and especially people meeting online and people meeting, uh, you know, with, with, with a heavy influence of social media, where you're sort of just shown, you know, you have to show just, you're, the, you're, the ha- you're always the happiest, you're always on the best holidays, you're, you're never having a dull day. So with that kind of, you know, narrative guiding a lot of uh, society, how does someone, you know, get to a place of being vulnerable? Because it's very scary. Ah, yeah, absolutely. And look, again, you've, you've mentioned something really important. It's about feeling appreciated, right? Mm. However, however, that needs to be expressed. So we all want to feel appreciated, actually. We all want to feel um, that we belong in the relationship and that we are actually seen, understood, loved. And most importantly, we want to feel that we are doing the right thing for us and for others. So it goes back to that communication and, and again, being really uh, flexible in understanding that I'm going to communicate differently than you. And if, you know, if my partner's not understanding that, then we need to, to have that conversation for, look, I communicate by doing this. Um, and, and perhaps you're expecting something else. I might try to do that, but that's not my way. Um, to communicate and it becomes difficult when some people are starting relationships online uh, but at the same time for some it might be easier so I know in my research I've heard again and again that for some people being able to connect over zoom or even texting is easier for them so they can actually express their feelings they can talk about it and it's not as overwhelming as it would have been if they were meeting someone at a bar mm. so I talk a lot about having personal insight into who you are as an individual to start with. So if you are someone who is looking for a relationship, but you know the bar is not your scene and you're not someone who can express yourself physically or verbally, perhaps you are going to be better off online. You are going to be better off in in an environment where you can express Mm. um, your feelings in in writing or in an enclosed space where you can be vulnerable. But what about these apps that people meet on like Tinder or Bumble uh, where people are, you know, clearly a lot of people are hooking up and fi- and seeking partners, maybe, I don't know, short short term, maybe long term, um, or, or these matrimonial sites, whatever it may be. How does that uh, play into the equation? I think, again, it depends on the motivation for using those apps. Um, and, you know, you will hear people tell you that they are looking for love and then mm. they go on to apps and they meet people. And then when you actually start observing their behaviors and how they are interacting, I question whether they are in fact looking for love or looking to have hook up a relationship. And when it gets to the sticky beat where it's getting serious or you could potentially turn into a long-term relationship, something a lot more powerful, which is that protection mechanism comes into play and it questions them and it makes them think on whether or not they want to you know, being in the relationship long term. So 
what I mean by that is it's very easy for us to say that we are looking for love and, and, and engaging the apps or whatever mechanisms we, we can to find that. But it's another thing altogether to stick through the, those hard bits, those bits where we need to be vulnerable and, and put the hard work that it does take to maintain relationships long term. Right, which is a lot of work, and it, it's not as simple as you know, um, you know, as it seems sometimes. And and you know, the thing is, in today's day and age, we were just talking before we we, we started recording. Everyone wants these concise messages, right? When it comes to how do I, you know, the, can you give a prescribed way? How do I fall in love? How do I stay in love? How do I not get out of love? So maybe before we we go down that path, can you? through your work what is what is i mean there's no easier way of asking this but what is love (laughs) (laughs) um well what what i can give you i i can't tell you what love is and and i wish i could because that will be different to um to everybody Mm. and um to, to whoever is experiencing that but what i can tell you is this what we are looking for as human beings innately whether we know it or not, is a deep connection with another human being. And that might be one person or two people. We want to feel connected. And, and, and we have that desire innately from the moment we are born. It starts with our caregivers. Then uh, for girls especially, it becomes really prominent in our teenage years that we need to connect with peers. Mm. Um, then, of course, in adult ages, we are, we are looking for intimate romantic connections but throughout our entire lives we are looking for connections with others so that's something that um that can define love and loving in many different shapes and ways but one very complex thing that surrounds that search for love is our desire to protect ourselves above all Mm. so if we feel threatened during the journey at any point we are going to look at ways of protecting ourselves um as a priority to connecting with others. Um, and, and that's when it becomes difficult to find love or maintain love or feel love. So if you are looking for my quick bite answers to, you know, what it is that we need to do as part of that journey, I, I can give you that. But that won't, you know, be enough to, to solve all the issues. Uh, right. First of all, I think we need to take a really hard look on ourselves as individuals, not as part of a relationship, but just who we are, meaning why am I in this journey in the first place? What are, what are the motivations for me looking for love? Am I actually serious about this? Um, what am I looking for here? Am I protecting myself or am I looking to connect? And are there any fears that are going to stand as a barrier in the way for those connections? So that's, I guess, step one is, you know, looking at the mirror, asking those questions, being truthful with who we are and, and, and the, um, I guess, the, uh, cars that we may bring to to those connections, um, and then it becomes um, a bit more complex. We need to think of expectations for the relationship and and how we are going to communicate that. But you know, step by step, I guess. And you know, the thing which I'm I'm getting a sense of this is. You know, when you are with someone and you spend many years with them, they get to know you, you get to know them, you've dropped these barriers, there's less, there's a lot of, you know, understanding of fundamentally who each other is. So am I right in saying that, you know, at some point, you know, in, 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 a, in an intimate romantic relationship, 
the person almost you kind of take on a lot of the things that they are giving and you kind of let go of who you were uh retaining some of course some the fundamentals of who you what who you are but you're you're not scared of kind of becoming someone else in in the course of that relationship um and and the person who's your partner also takes on things from you and lets go of something that they were so as a result you kind of become two different individuals who've taken from each other and given to each other and as a result have changed into this um this new i wouldn't say new being but these two new individuals who understand each other and taken on each other in some way what you're describing is is um what i would consider very beautiful part of 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 being connected with another person um i would like to think that as individuals we are ever evolving mm. so um and changing and that's what i you know i was talking about before in terms of we are fluid in, in even in ourselves and what we want and 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 who we who we want to be um but i would like to think that um because i do believe that there is always an element of vulnerability in relationships i'd like to think that yes, there will be um the element of changing and connecting with others that we might describe as give and take so yeah parts of you might be lost in that process but that's not necessarily a bad thing mm-hmm. um i i i actually do believe that we need to change and sometimes we need to lose some parts of ourselves that are not working and that would yeah. work with someone else in, in, involved in our life so i i think sometimes we are with attached negative connotations with with loss but in fact there are things that we do need to lose to be to be able to be healthy with another individual and again i don't know what those elements will be for everybody but it's understanding that um as one person you can be many things but when you connect with another that's going to take different aspects of your life and personality to be able to um to be combined with that other being and in a in a true healthy relationship you start to think of yourself as a um part of an item as opposed to just one single item mm so the thing is you know many times i'm just going to con- continue on w- one more point when it comes to intimate relationships because that's some, you know i want to move forward from there you know when it comes to maybe you know husband and wife or partners or whatever you choose to call each other um many times it's not just the two of you right there are things that each person is coming to the relationship with whether it's family whether it's close friends whether it's ex partners ex boyfriends and girlfriends and you have a lot of life that you've lived and sometimes that can't just be left at the door it it creeps up it creeps up and it makes uh life a lot more fun with insecurity with you know mistrust and uh interference with other people and you get jealous because you know certain relationship with a friend may be stronger or perceived as you know more intimate and uh, and it might feel, feel like your husband is relying more on that person might be more close to his or her mother or she might be close to her brother you know whatever it may be these things so how does that factor in because you you in some sense are cannot disconnect from that you know quote unquote network of what you've come to this relationship with but you how do you appreciate that this is something different from that and how does you how do you make your partner feel you know what what we have is different from what we've brought to the table yeah no look you're absolutely right and it's a a really important acknowledgement to make it's never going to be just two people in a relationship and, and that's why i often talk about it as in in terms of items or components of an engagement 
And you're right, it might be yourself and your partner, and then you have kids, and then you have parents, and you have friends. And I, I guess it's looking for that support network that makes your relationship healthy, that actually adds to your relationship as opposed to subtracting. And we all know that there are friends and family members that are not helping our relationship. <laughs> and yeah. Is, yeah. Right? There are people in our lives that do not add our successes that do not add to, to the healthiness of our engagements and relationships and in some cases it's, it's about letting those go mm. but most importantly it's holding on to the people that support you yeah. so we were talking about it before um, I'm in Brazil right now mm-hmm. and the reason why I'm in Brazil is because I've got a really good support network here so I have family in Australia I have family in Brazil and for me it means that at different times in my life when I need different types of support, I will be traveling between those two um, countries. Mm. Um, we can't live without support. And, you know, if I, can, if I can go back to my previous point, we are often searching for those connections because innately it's what we need. We need to feel that we belong and feel that we are loved. And it's not, not just romantic love, it's family love, it's, it's, it's parent love, it's, you know, um, it's, it's, I, I, I do believe it's not possible to be um, alone in, in, in that journey. We need others. And that's why I find that fascinating, right? Sometimes when, you know, I, I lived in the U.S. for a few years doing my undergraduation and then, um, you know, traveled there once in a while and, of course, traveled, um, you know, to the U.K. as well. I'm just giving examples of the people I met and when I would go, to, go over to their uh, pa- parents' home, these friends of mine in college or university, I w- it, it was very sort of just their parents. If they had brothers or sisters, it was just them. And I would find that very lonely in some way because, you know, where I live in Bangalore, um, whether it's good or not, you, you always have, you know, besides your parents and at some point grandparents, you always have like an aunt just dropping in in the evening for coffee or you, you, you go somewhere and visit someone. It's it's a bit annoying. I'll be, I'll be honest with you, having it all the time, you know. But for me, it was this sense of, um, and and friends, of course, and I found the idea of like you know visiting your family once a year for Thanksgiving or 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 living separately. I, I think there's some empowerment and some sort of independence in that, which is great. But I feel like even just as a husband and wife, like if you're alone all the time and then you bring a baby into this world and raising that child all alone, it gets pretty desperate and lonely, right? Yeah, and look, I it depends, right? It depends on how the the, the partnership was established. So, mm. for some people, there will be um, the numbers will be quite high, like you described. You'll be friends and family and aunties and you know grandparents, and and they're lucky to have all of that. Mm. But some people that that support might be in, in a small family uh, nucleus that will include mom, dad, kids and, and a few close friends. And that's fine. Okay. Right, right. You know, it, it's 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 hard for us to, to say what um what good support will look like. Mm. I guess the the important point is that we all do need support however it comes. And um I remember when I worked remotely in Australia through our rural communities support for those people a lot of the times were were community members. So not not even necessarily uh, members of their family or friends. It, it was, you know, people at the grocery store uh, or church or the local hospitals. So it, it's just having that awareness that however it comes, uh, I, I do think we need to have some level of, of connection with, with, with others around us. 
to help mm. through the hard times and celebrate the good times. Right, of course. Now, I wasn't saying one is better than the other. I'm just, you know, this is what I was used to. Uh, and, mm, you know, mm, in some way I mm. was exposed to that, which was great, right? But I was just trying to put my put myself in in that situation going, can I live here, say, in, in a beautiful house, maybe in the suburbs? And you have the world of independence, right? But at the same time, you, yeah. I, what happens, I was talking to someone recently who's, um, you know, recently had a child. And he was saying, you know, it's it's great uh, being, you know, it, he had his kid in the, in the lockdown. He said, it was just my wife, myself and I. Uh, sorry, not my wife, my wife, my child and I. And, you know, what was nice is that we just could do uh, what we chose to do when it comes to raising yeah. her. But the moment someone else comes in, like he said, after the lockdown, his parents came in and then they started giving their advice. You know, they're like, you should do this. You shouldn't do this. And <laughs> and so, so I yeah, I think at one level, the support is great, but that support can easily become a little claustrophobic as well if if you don't draw boundaries. Oh, yeah, very, very true. And I think it will also depend at what stage um, of life you are with your kids. So perhaps when your kids are very little, mm. you do want everyone around you because the, the more hands, the better, Yeah. right? Um, but, but, but I hear you. It gets to points in your life where you just want that routine. You just want to be able to do what works for you and your family. And, and it's overwhelming to have, you know, a lot of advice around um, so I can certainly see that with my young family. Um, and, mm. and I hear you being, coming from, you know, a culture where there are lots of aunties and uncles and, and, and grandparents around and then moving to Australia and, and seeing it differently there. Um, I appreciate the difference, but I think that um, I personally seek the different types of support at different stages of my life. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, because m- more and more... I get a sense of, um, you know, it's it's not my personal observation, but it's it's evident, right, that there are almost two realities that we are immersed in. One is, of course, the online reality of having this yeah. presence and this this perception of so many friends and this network. You have groups you're part of, right, whether it's on WhatsApp or whether it's on Snapchat, Instagram. I mean, the possibilities are endless. And and then you have this thing, the sense of importance on those groups. You have, and you know, if you're if if you're a popular influencer, you have five, fifteen, you know, ten, hundred thousand followers. And you know, you maybe if your partner's as popular, then perfect, or maybe not perfect. But ever more, there's this disconnect, or there's this separation of what's happening online. And when you come back, uh, come out of that app or come out of that platform. It's a different reality, right? Because from from all aspects, like if you're getting that much attention for everything you're saying and then you come back and your husband or your wife doesn't even listen to what you're saying and you're suddenly like, hey, do you know who I am online? I'm an influencer. And, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and, and other, the, the flip side to that is while there's the popular people, there's also a sense of loneliness, right? Because um, how, how does someone feel like that they can reach out to someone um without you know because they're so scared to open up so both those things are two maybe might seem two two extremes of the online sort of phenomenon but what is happening i mean i don't i don't know if i have a question for it but what what are we looking at right now today with 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 what's going on around us uh look i'm i'm hearing the same um sorts of messages that that you are describing we are more connected than ever um, you know, we can connect with um, people in any anywhere in the world at any time of the day. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we are truly connected in the sense that I also 
feel that we are very lonely as as, as humans because those connections are superficial at best. Mm-hmm. Um, we can spend hours online with millions of people, but if we're not connecting to a point that we are fulfilling, you know, those desires and those needs uh, that we have as individuals, um, it, it's not going to make us feel um, loved in the end of the day. So, yeah, you can talk to millions, but it doesn't not necessarily mean you're going to feel loved in the end of the day. So it's it's about searching for those meaningful connections uh, that are not going to necessarily come in numbers, but in moments in our lives. It's not 24-7, but meaningful moments throughout the day or throughout the week that can make us feel loved are the important ones, I would say. You, you, Raquel, you mentioned a very interesting thing. You said one of the first things to uh, look at when you want um, a meaningful relationship with someone you've met and someone you've spent time with is to take a good hard look at yourself. But increasingly, people are resisting that because a lot of times you know, there's a lot of pain, uh, whether it's from the past, whether it's self-inflicted, whether it's environmental, whatever the cause may be. Everyone has some form of pain, right, from whatever reason or whatever life experience. But when someone's not willing to look at that and they kind of use coping mechanisms to you, to deal with that pain, whether it's drugs, alcohol, it could be so many things. How does some, how, how does one even say, you know what, I'm going to take that first step and look at myself because it's so easy to have support, which in this case sometimes is not the best kind of support where people are like, no, it's not you. It's you're the victim in the situation. And it's so easy to point yeah. fingers. There's always someone who's the persecutor, right? There's always someone who has done something wrong to you for whatever reason. So how does that narrative uh, affect a relationship or someone who's looking to get into a relationship? Yeah, look, you are absolutely right. I'm often met with resistance when I talk about that first step, you know, take a hard look at yourself, face yourself in the mirror. Mm. Um, because... It's much easier for us to um, look at what others are doing and and discuss how others could meet our needs and what it is that we need from from our partners than it is mm. for us to think of ways in which we might have this pain. And for the exact reason that you've just mentioned, we are in that in this journey of connection with that ulterior motive of protecting ourselves. Mm. So <laughs> we are going to do everything we can innately. To, to protect ourselves in the first instance. And because by the time you get to adult um, stages, we, we have been hurt before, we have had some sort of pain or trauma in our lives, we have that history of knowing what hurt feels like mm. and, 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 and knowing what protection um, can give us. So I would say that most of us have that innate feeling. And when someone says to you, oh, look at yourself and, and think of ways in, you, in which you could change and better connect and, and, um, and engage in the world in a healthier way, our instinct is going to be, no, I don't need to change. I, I don't need to touch things that are sore and, 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 and re-experience them. Um, but that's the, that's the one true way of, of, of making connections is to actually look at ourselves. Um, because in the end of the day, that's, that's what you're going to need to do. And look, I don't know any healthy relationship that does not take a level of vulnerability. And, mm. and to be able to truly be ready to be vulnerable uh, will take that courage that you are 
likely uh, or possibly going to get hurt at some point in your relationship. And, and look, that's okay. With hurt comes insight, comes wisdom. Um, but I don't know that I can tell people honestly that there's not going to be pain. Mm. Yeah, because that is something which you don't want to hear, right? Because everyone just wants to hear yeah. about the, 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 the evenings with romantic dinners or holidays. <laughs> no one wants to hear about the fights. And yeah, the, the another thing, um, you know, again, these are just observations. If they're wrong, please correct me. But when people go to find a partner, I mean, this has happened across the ages from any group, right? Like when you're younger or when you're out, older, you have this this image or this notion of what your partner should be, what they should look like. There's maybe even borderline fantasy or expectations, right? I want this person to mm. have this kind of background. They need to have this kind of job. They need to bring this to the relationship. And a lot of it is you projecting either what you want, like idealistically projecting, but a lot of times it's also projecting your insecurities. I don't want this person to do this. I don't want this person. How important is that how damaging is that and how realistic is that oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, look um disney does not help us when it comes mm. to partner expectations and relationship expectations right because we are taught from very early ages that there, there is a happily ever after and we can find prince charming mm. um but look my message is going to be repetitive in the sense that there is going to be pain. There is going to be hard work if you are looking for a, like a long-term, meaningful, loving connection with someone, which means that you are going to have to dig through some dirt, perhaps, to, to be able to find that person that you are looking for and mm. find that, that, that beauty that, that love is and, and is described as. Um, I don't know, get your hands dirty, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, and yeah. Um, be ready to hear the hard truth. It's, it's like when you go to the doctor and you're about to get an injection and you ask, oh, is that going to hurt? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, it will. But it will be worth it, I guess, right. um, is my message. Right, because rejection seems like a very scary thing, right? Because it, it, it affects people so profoundly it could affect self-esteem it could it could especially if someone's not had a good run with you know getting finding acceptance or even connection and you know now it's just a matter of getting swiped left continuously or uh you know getting yeah. <laughs> you know. So, so so that clearly does something to someone because yeah I, I totally get what you're saying because i think yeah you know if until you are there there's no point in having preconceived notions or projecting or well, if this happens that might happen but clearly you know there, you know, these 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 mechanisms of self-preservation uh, do take a lot of getting over to kind of reach across the gap to connect with someone. Yeah, look, don't get me wrong. Um, mechanisms of um, self-preservation and um, you know protecting ourselves are very important. You know, they're there for a reason. We do need to, um, you know, if there is danger an actual danger. We do need to protect ourselves and yeah. put that as our priority. Um, but what I do see um, a lot in my research is a huge potential for connection and that innate feeling of 
um, fear of rejection or fear of commitment and intimacy as a barrier to a connection that otherwise could have been quite meaningful and, and beautiful. So that's what I focus on. Um, there are many relationships out there that simply should just not exist. And, and you know, if I was advising someone, I would say run uh, and do protect yourself. So there are cases in which you should be protecting yourself and running as far away as you can from, from, from someone. But what I like to focus on is those potential beautiful connections that we might be missing out on because of that fear of commitment or fear of rejection. And as you put it um, really nicely, rejection is part of life. And for some people, um, they are going to experience rejection again and again and again. And for no good reason. You know, you might be a gentleman and you might be doing everything right in your first dates. Um, and you might be getting rejected again and again. And that's just part of life. But um, I think that it's still worth it. You know, you mm. get rejected for jobs and it doesn't mean you stop applying for them. You know, you get rejected for promotion. Again, you tr you still try to, to to search for that position that you want in your workplace. Same with relationships; you might get rejected. Um, but I I do think that we learn from rejections and we improve, or we can improve, and and go again from a stronger um, standpoint. Right, but you know, there's a tendency when you get rejected. Uh, it kind of you know, depending on your self worth or self esteem. That the rejection could hit really hard or it could just you could just brush it off yeah. your back, right? But I think the healthy thing is when you're able to look at rejection as a tool to look at yourself saying, okay, this is who I am. Maybe that person wasn't for me. But the dangerous or maybe the, the, the other side to it is when you start becoming someone you think that people want you to be. And that's a very slippery slope because then you're just changing for everyone or you're becoming someone else for someone for, for every person you meet. And next thing you know, you don't even know who you are anymore. Yeah, it's it's complex, and you know it's easier for us to say, you know, just stand up, stand up again, and 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 off you go. Mm. Uh, even if you fall, keep going. But rejection is personal. It's yeah. someone telling you personally that you're not good enough, yeah. and it's going to hurt. And for some people, the how they defend themselves is to go, all right, well, I'll give them what they want. I'll give people what they want, and, yeah. and I'll turn into that, and it might work. It, it, it might work for a while or it might even work long term, but it depends on what that's actually doing to you and to mm. who you want to be. Um, and, and again, it goes back to looking at yourself and, and, and creating some sort of flexibility and balance. You know, there might be elements that we need to change in order to fit in society, fit in, fit in with others. But as long as that doesn't, you know, impact the tr true core of who we are, Right. And, you know, your research, of course, you speak about the the things that we do to sabotage love. But before we get there, why are we seeing, because I read somewhere recently, I was talking to someone uh, on the podcast about how during the lockdown and resulting things opening up and people being at home, th th there was a significant rise in domestic abuse. Um, I don't know if that's something you cover in your work, but maybe, you know, just from the point of relationships, why are we seeing more and more of this where people are, I mean, we have a lot more resources to help people. And I, I don't, I don't know if you want to go into the psychology of why do people get into it and stay in it, but why are we seeing an increase of this, this 
sense of abuse and i know maybe the stats probably point more more point more towards men abusing women but there are also some women abusing men but just in in in, in a sense of why are more and more people finding themselves in a in an abusive relationship yeah look the the pandemic brought um brought upon us um a very complex um situation because people that were in a relationship with the potential to to you know to be abused or to to have violence were put into enclosed space without the the possibility of connecting with others or even getting out physically of the house and that meant that what what was already there in the pot stirring you know just boiled over mm. Uh, and, and what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, if you were already in that relationship with the potential for for abuse, you were then locked, told that you couldn't go out, told that you had to, you know, face each other 24-7. Ooh, uh, and without the skills to deal with conflict, without the skills to deal with what, what was already there, um, it becomes really difficult for people to overcome those challenges. Mm. So it's not that um, those issues are happening more or getting or being created more is that without the skills to deal with it we are going to see them boil over more and more and right. look in the end of the day is, is is what we have been talking about here is we are looking for those connections and the way in which we create them and the way in which we experience them sometimes it's it's not healthy but who is to say that's not a connection um it is a connection, and if there is a, the possibility for us to um, to treat it, to um, to use skills to you know to um, to help those people um, be healthy in their relationship, we should try that first. Mm. Um, but if that isn't, then we need to look for ways uh, to keep individuals healthy separately um, before they can be connected. Right. You know, a lot of the things you have said uh, and, 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 you know, what I've gathered from is a lot of it starts from you as an individual and um, until you establish yeah. that comfort, the, 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 the value system that you are irrespective of what you do, um, then it's very difficult to find a solid foundation from which you can connect with people around you, right? And it could be with anyone if you have a a very sort of manipulative relationship with friends or family, uh, then it's, it's you know, and, and there's something I noticed um, personally is that after many years of knowing people, whether it's from school or whether it's family members, right, whether it's cousins, or, you found, you, 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 if, if, you, if you don't take a step back from that relationship, you don't look at the nature of the relationship, whether it's one person kind of, um, you know, uh, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, you kind of just take it for granted going, no, I've known him for 25 years. It can't be bad, but it could be, right? Because it's leading in a direction where if you, you know, like if you're willing to change, then that person who changes with you unknowingly or knowingly, then that relationship grows. But many times it's stagnant, right? It's static. And if you change, that person tries to bring you back to what they are comfortable with you being in that relationship. So until you, actually sometimes take a good hard look it's like you know uh, very basic analogies like cutting dead branches of a tree but how important is it to look at the relationships in your life every so often and say hey let's take stock is this person actually healthy for me or are we just with them because you know we are bffs 
Ah, look, I think that's very important. Uh, but one complex um, factor in 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 how relationships work and how we work as individuals is that it's not linear. So it's not about look at yourself, then get into a relationship or, or you know, vice versa. It all happens at the same time in a very messy way. Yeah. Um, so it might be that you are looking at yourself and working on yourself, but you're already in a relationship. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we can't be inflexible in thinking that, you know, we do A and then we do B and then we do C and it's that yeah. one beautiful <laughs> journey. Uh, it's going to be messy and you might have to do it all at the same time and there might be kids and there might be parents or there might be even sick relatives that you are looking after at the same time as you're doing all of these and work. Um, but it's, it's, it's tackling it all, I guess. Right. No, because of, of course, you know, it would be lovely if you could just put it all in a journal and say, you know what, I want points A to Z to follow in that order. Of course, we would all love that. But uh, I think the chaos in some way adds to the magic of it all, which sometimes is painful. But when you come out on the other side, it seems, wow, okay, it worked out. But Yeah, and it's uh, also that, um, you know, being kind to yourself that you might see a lot of progress, you know, as you work through your relationships or if you work on yourself. But there might be, you know, steps back and then you, you go again. So it's it's being flexible that you, you are going to go back and forth and sideways and um, be patient. Yeah, I think that that's so important to remember because we, you know, we've been told these stories of how love um, looks, and how it, it should work out, but it's not never the case. But um, how, how, how many, um, how much of an influence does what you've seen a relationship growing up, uh, how much influence does it have on your idea of a relationship? Um, I don't know if that's a clear enough question, but what I mean is, you know, when you look at people older than you, whether it's your parents or your siblings, if they're older than you, or if it's your uncles and aunts or whoever it may be, Mm -hmm. and how much does that shape what you want from a relationship and how does that shape how you value a relationship and um, how, how you approach a relationship? Yeah, look, uh, we know that the evidence is robust on the fact that we do get um, meaningful, um, uh, that those experiences are meaningful in Mm. shaping how we understand love and connection. I can't quantify how much that is, um, but I can tell you that um, for the positives and for the negatives, we are watching how others connect around us. So we start by watching how our parents connect, how our caregivers connect, and then even how our siblings are connecting, um, our friends, um, how we have connected in the past with our previous relationships. We are watching it all. For some people, it might be that they've got really good role models in their Mm. lives, and they know what love looks like. They know what it takes. And that's great. But for others, it might be that they need to overcome that barrier first. So they don't have good role models. They don't have good relationships around them. Um, they only know what not to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I often talk about the fact that when it comes to intimate relationships, we actually need to learn skills to be in those relationships. It's it's not something that we download automatically. Uh, just like we need to learn how to write and talk and walk, for some of us, you need to learn how to be with someone else because you've never been taught that or you've never had the opportunity to observe that. 
Uh, mm. But either way, we are, yes, we are looking around, we are taking it in, and sometimes we learn the, long, the wrong lessons and we need to reshape those messages as we go along. Yeah, that's lovely, actually, learning how to be with someone because that's something you never realize that you know or don't know, right? Yeah. Because you're kind of just forced into school with other kids or you're uh, in yeah. these environments, but you never think about it. And subconsciously, you're like, yeah, I saw I saw this is how Rachel and Ross were dating on Friends. And you know, <laughs> who knows yeah. the examples that you apply to your life. But uh, this shows how old I am because um, I was giving Friends references. No, we, we learn from TV shows. Yeah. We learn from Disney. We learn from, we learn from everything. We learn from books that we read. So yeah. um, that's, that's what makes it so difficult, I think, for... Um, for kids these days is that they've got a lot more exposure to messages than I, 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 I did, I think, because of the internet and online spaces. So there are plenty of schools for them. Uh, whether or not those messages are good, that's a different story. Right. And you speak about this in your uh, talk about the four elements that people use to sabotage love. Um, how relevant is that when it comes to these platforms and especially this generation that is exposed at such a young age to such a vast number of quote-unquote connections, vast number of inputs from other people, vast number of comments about how they look, who they are, what they think that they should be. So wh- how, how do you put that context into this situation? How do you put this situation into those, those, those elements of what people use to sabotage love? Oh, look, because there's so much out there, um, you've got to be critical. If you're looking for, you know, for ways to learn how to be with someone and how not to sabotage a relationship, for example, and you are in the dark web and just finding so much. Sorry, could you just talk about the four, the, the four elements of the sabotage <laughs> before we move forward? Because for people who, who I'm sure they listen to the talk, but just for the context we're going to set now. Yeah, yeah. So Gottman has proposed four ways in which people um, deal with issues in relationships and potentially sabotage them. So that would be criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, um, and um, contempt as well. So those are ways in which we, those are armors and, and tools mm. that we use in, 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 in ways that we interact with, right. with our partners. And um, I see that very often in, in relationships. Right. So you said these four things, criticism, stonewalling, you have contempt, and then you have insecure, uh, self, did you say self-worth? Defensiveness. Defensiveness. So now if we use that in the context of it's happening in real time, right? There's criticism, people constantly bullying and whatever form of criticism, right? It could be, it's it's not a sat down, you know, I, what I, what I think what you said was hurtful or just like, uh, you're not worth it. You get off my screen or you're canceled or defense. So, so you said these are things that we use as armor. These are, these are layers that we use to protect ourselves, but it's in itself so difficult to kind of, you know, get past each layer. But how does one even, I don't know, like how, what is, how does that fit in with this, this, this present day scenario? Not sure. Not sure. I know what you mean. Um, I, I think the the importance of that work and what that work has highlighted mm. is that there are there are some more pr- prominent ways, especially in romantic relationships, in which we defend ourselves. Mm. So, if we, for example, uh, if we're talking about the fear of getting hurt and wanting to protect ourselves, mm-hmm. one way that people will often do that 
and and for you to be able to identify and visualize that's actually happening is through criticism. Right. So I, I'm feeling afraid that I might get hurt or I might be attacked. I'm going to do that first. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with you so you don't see what's happening over here. So we know that's a very you know common way in which people defend themselves. For others, that might not be how they do it. So they might stone more. So they might distance themselves altogether. So they see conflicts coming and then just run the, the opposite direction. So those are just tools that people use in relationships often to protect themselves and to make sure that they are not the ones getting hurt in the first place. Now, it varies from person to person, but those four ones are the most common types of, of ways in which people will do that. Um, and, and defensiveness is, is, is it's such a complex phenomenon because it's feeling attacked in the first place. And sometimes the attack is coming and it is happening. And, so, and other times, which is often what I see in my research, it's a perceived attack that might mm. be coming, that could happen, that might not even happen at all. Yeah. But we have already put everything in place to defend just in case. Right. No, it's so true because you build this, you have this anticipation, right? If they say this, I'm going to say this, then I'm going to react and nothing ever happens, right? Sometimes. Now, what I was trying yeah. to just sort of um, draw a relationship with is, you know, these these things you mentioned, being defensive, being um, open to criticism or resist criticism or stonewalling. Uh, yeah, it, between people, it happens maybe one-on-one or, you know, there's the notion of getting stubborn, whatever. But when someone from a young age who's exposed to trolls or exposed to all these online mm. things that are, they, mm. these these tools are coming in handy there, right? They are stonewalling, they're ignoring it or they're refusing to handle criticism, which may not be good or maybe good because they're like, you know what, I'm right. And if you're not, if you don't suit what I think, like you're off my list of people I interact with. So when it's being done at such a strong level, at such a young age, at such a formative time, then isn't it even more hard to strip away when you're trying to be vulnerable with someone? Ah, absolutely. And that's why it's so complex because, mm. as I said before, um, you know, in, in order to be able to connect with someone in a meaningful way, you have to be vulnerable, mm. right? But if danger is coming, you do need to protect yourself. So those tools are tools that we might have to use in, in different points in our lives because if there is danger, you do have to, to protect yourself and it might be that you need to walk away from a situation um, and distance yourself because that's not healthy for you. Um, so the message here is that those tools are there for a reason. Um, I would never say to someone, don't use them ever. It's just about if you are trying to connect and love someone and show love for someone, those are not the tools that you pick up. Ah. Uh. That's nice because those are tools for self-preservation, but they don't come in, they're not tools you use to build a relationship. Yeah, it depends if you are in times of love or war. <laughs> I think we're right now in times of war. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Raquel, it's been so lovely chatting with you and I really appreciate you taking the time to share your work. And oh, the, the, likewise, thank you. It's been lovely. And um, I think you put out a lot of articles on this topic and topics uh, which are related to this. Uh, and... Um, I'll link that to your website. I think that's where all your articles are. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me and really appreciate you taking the time today. Yes, thank you.
Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.